electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello and welcome to Tech Check Plus. I'm Julia Borston. I'm very excited to be joined now by Sarah Kuz, founder and managing director of Clio Capital. Sarah, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. So Sarah, just to, to, to kick it off here, I want to talk a little bit about your background and your work, but you've just completed some very important research in partnership with Harvard Business School, looking at the race, ethnicity, and gender of assets under management in the very power of venture capital space. Talk to us about what you found in your research. Yeah, so you know, I run Clio Capital. Uh, it's a venture fund that I started in 2018. Um, and you know, what I didn't realize when I started is how rare it was to be a black woman starting a venture fund. Um, you know, when you look at the stats, the the research that we just published, uh, that we just completed with Harvard Business School, uh, you know, white men control 63% of all venture capital dollars, and that's compared to black women who control 0.03%. And so there's just this massive, massive inequality there. And I suspected that over the years of running the fund and seeing how few other people look like me. These numbers are not good, uh, no matter how you slice them, but particularly looking at the intersection of race and gender, there were just huge gaps there. You know, Black men control about 1% of venture dollars under management. And while that is not a lot, that is a lot more than the 0.03 that Black women control. And so there's just, you know, these staggering inequities that are happening. And we're the first people to ever actually go through uh, and and do that math and say, look at these numbers. And by the way, they've been bad for a long time and they're not getting better. So talk to us a little bit about how you put this research together. I understand the numbers are from 2020 and you worked with some data sets that were out there and you really dug deep into them. How did this happen? Yeah, so, you know, worked with Harvard Business School and Professor Paul Gompers on this, and they have a tremendous team and amount of resources there. You know, so we were able to use Prequin, which is a great uh, database for, for all things venture capital, um, to really dig into a lot of these numbers. And then we also did just a lot of, of digging and scraping on platforms like LinkedIn because we wanted it to be really complete. And we wanted it to be, because it was the first study of its kind, we wanted to make sure that we were capturing, you know, every possible number that we could. And so we did a very complete job. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the deeper we dug, the worse the numbers got. Yeah, I mean, and so interesting looking at this research here, the category of, of, of people that has the, the most assets under management is white men. And then the second category is Asian men. And then if you look at the gender gaps, when you look at the intersectionality of gender and race, there are these big gaps. Talk to us a little bit about um, your reaction to the fact that for instance, Asian men control, it looks like from this uh, chart that I'm looking at, 21% um, of assets under management, and then Asian women control so much less than that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing we found is that for every 
race, there was this massive disparity, right? White men control 63%, white women control 5.5%, you know, Asian men control 21.5%, Asian women control 4%. And so these deltas, you know, for everyone, except the, the narrowest delta is actually Hispanic people, where Hispanic men control about 4% and Hispanic women control a little bit over 1%. And so, you know, every other race, there are this, just these staggering sort of orders of magnitude you know, gaps where you look at it and say, you know, these are people who are coming out of the same families, the same schools, right? The same systems, often hired into the same roles. And so, you know, that's sort of a natural experiment that says, hey, you know, what's driving this disparity besides sort of the bias that we know exists along racial and gender lines? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting here. And and I, I wrote a book on female leadership and I really believe that data is incredibly important to illustrate the stories. And I'm curious from your perspective, why you think it was essential to get this data out there. You knew that there were gender gaps, but you wanted to actually have the numbers to illustrate something that you were seeing anecdotally. What is your hope in conducting this research that these numbers will accomplish? Absolutely. You know, I think that you you can't manage what you what you don't measure, right, is the, the old saying. And so, you know, to look at these numbers and say, hey, you know, when we say, okay, 1% of all VC, you know, funds are managed by Black people, that's a way too low amount compared to population parity, right? But when you dig in even further and see that 99.7% of that 1% is controlled by men, um, you know, I think that that should ring an alarm bell and, and help people understand that, that we need to fund, you know, more women, right? And, and so I, I think, you know, it's easy to look at, at the Asian number as a whole and say, oh, okay, that's a group that's, that's doing relatively well, except then you dig in and you say, wait a minute, you know, that's so disproportionately men. And what about the great, you know, Asian female VCs who are not necessarily getting the, the funding that they deserve. And so I think that it's just super important to dig into that intersection. Yeah. And it's and it's so interesting just to see those numbers laid bare. Um, I understand in doing this with in partnership with Harvard Business School, there's also a lot of potential to bring this research um, to consumers, to investors, and also potentially to LPs. Talk to us about what your, your plan is for this research. Um, will we see a case study? Will we see something in Harvard Business Review? And who do you hope to reach with this information? Is it LPs? Yeah, so, so certainly LPs, right? Limited partners are the people who invest in venture funds. They're the people at the end of the day who are, are really creating this reality and they're the people who can change it because they have the checkbooks. Um, you know, Harvard is an amazing machine of research and publication. And so we're really excited to get this research out, you know, not only through outlets like yours, but, but you know, as we kind of move through and update with 2021 data, uh, you know, to get it out uh, in various Harvard publications and to teach it in classes and to really make sure that people understand the reality there so that they can be mindful, you know, as they're thinking about hiring and deploying capital and who they're investing in. Because, you know, when you don't see this data, you might sort of anecdotally not understand how giant these gaps are. But once you see it, it's very, very, very hard to unsee it. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think it's really important to draw the line between these numbers that you've laid bare and the reality of what it means to not have diversity in the pool of people who are making investments. And, you know, this is a nation that is incredibly diverse and increasingly diverse. Talk to us a little bit about what you think is missed by investors if they don't have diversity in decision making. 
Absolutely. I mean, diverse teams make better decisions. And this is research that, you know, has been done and is out there. And we know that. Um, the other reality is that it's hard to understand things that you don't have any personal lived experience with. And, and so we've seen this, you know, along gender lines in areas like women's health, um, you know, and, and there's just these funding gaps that are driven by experience gaps. And so when you have more people around the table who understand a, a wider swath of experiences, you're going to be able to fund better solutions. Um, there's a lot of data that shows, you know, that that women often, you know, can be better investors because of some of the differences in in sort of the decision making process. Um, and and also, you know, there are there's so much sort of richness of experience and ideas that you leave on the table when you have only one or two groups of people who are controlling the vast majority of capital because they're not going to be able to necessarily pick the next great, you know, female consumer brand or, you know, brand that would do incredibly well in the Asian diaspora. And so, you know, having a more diverse group of investors is going to lead to a more diverse group of companies. The interesting thing is that the numbers for who are the investors pretty closely mirror the numbers around who gets funded. And so it's pretty easy to assume that if you can make the investor pool more diverse, you'll make the, the company and the founded, you know, the, the founding and funded pool of founders more diverse as well. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of data indicating that diversity in, in the decision makers leads to more diverse companies getting funded and also so much different types of research indicating the financial opportunity there. With all that in mind, we've laid out all the reasons why it would make sense to have more diverse investors backing more diverse companies. But I want to get to, to the, the reason why this isn't the case. And so I'm hoping we could talk a little bit about what you think the sources of these racial and gender equity gaps are, and then also what some of the solutions are. But let's start with the sources. If it would make sense for there to be more diversity, why isn't there more diversity? Let's talk about that. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of it is historical, right? You know, and and you look at, we live in a country where until the 70s, women weren't allowed to buy property in their own name or to have credit cards in their own name, right? They had to have a brother or a husband sign for it. And so, you know, we're not that far removed from that reality. And so to now say, okay, you know, we're going to go from a world that, you know, think about even the 50s and 60s, you know, before the Equal Rights Amendment, before women could get their own credit cards, right, before Black people had full rights, you you really lived in a world where functionally 100% of the capital was controlled by white men. And so, you know, that shift is very slow because people have to unlearn what they think an investor looks like. They have to unlearn what they think success is going to look like. And I also think that they need data like this to feel empowered to say, you know, I'm going to back that Hispanic woman in front of me because I think she has amazing potential. And I know that there are not enough people who look like her who are around the table to write a check. And that's going to drive different returns and probably better returns. And so, you know, I, I think that certainly the problem is very much historical in this country. Um, and, and the solution is sort of just understanding the data, understanding the reality and choosing to do something different. Yeah, I mean, but it seems like the solution, you know, it's a complex problem and it's certainly a very historical one. But I'm wondering if there are, um, are certain actions or certain paths that you think that whether it's limited partners who are, who are investing in VCs or the VCs themselves need to take um, to be more cognizant of these massive and in, in many ways shocking gender and racial equity gaps. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that investors have to make this a priority um, and they have to put real dollars to it. It can't be something that's sort of a, a PR friendly, you know, tiny pledge. It has to be real dollars that are moving into real hands of these underfunded groups. Um, and, and that can be hard for limited partners because they like to write really big checks to establish funds that have been around for decades and decades. And by definition, funds that have been around for decades and decades are not going to be particularly diverse at the decision making level. And so, you know, there is that gap there where limited partners are going to have to sort of step out on a limb and say, I'm going to do something risky. And the reality is we know they can do it, right? Limited partners have spent the last few years deciding to go direct into crypto funds and do all sorts of things that, you know, would have seemed in a traditional kind of investment model crazy. And so the idea that you're going to back an amazing Hispanic or Asian or Black woman, you know, or Black or Hispanic man from, you know, uh, uh, who came out of Harvard, who's worked at Google, right? Who has all these bona fides anyway, that's not that crazy. You just have to do it. Yeah. I mean, and it's so interesting because so many people have pointed out to me that in the past three years, nearly three years since the murder of George Floyd and the and the racial reckon, reckoning um, that followed, that there have been a lot of commitments by different companies, a lot of commitments by VC funds, by big public companies, by startups saying that they want to do better when it comes to racial equity. And there's also been a lot of conversation about some of the smaller funds that have popped up um, in the past several years. And a lot of people have said to me, hasn't there been progress? I feel like there's been progress since 2020. And one thing that I say in response is, yes, there has been some progress, but one reason there hasn't been more progress is because the funds that have emerged or that are focused on investing in diversity and do have more diverse um, backers don't tend to have the giant checks written to them by the LPs that the smaller funds do. And so just simply the dollar numbers haven't shifted and there may be more um, funds that are focused on the seed stage that are relatively small compared to the giant funds that um, are sort of more historically run by by white men that have seen less change. Do you think that's right? Or, or what would your analysis be of what's happened in the past couple of years? Absolutely. You know, the reality is that there have been more funds that have popped up over the last few years. There have been more diverse fund managers who are getting funded and raising bigger funds. And at the same time, there's been so much more money that's poured into venture capital as a whole that the percentage, you know, the total percentage hasn't really shifted. And so if the entire pie grows by a hundred billion dollars of assets under management, and you know, the part that goes to some of these underrepresented groups is growing by, you know, maybe maybe 50 million, maybe a hundred million, that's not that much in in comparison because we're starting at such a bad place anyway. And you know, the other thing to call out is that you know the the markets have been in a very tough situation over the last year i believe that the markets are going to stay in a not so great situation through this year and into next year and what that historically means is two things one venture dollars tend to pull back because you know those are closed end funds you can't go get your money back out um, and there's something called the denominator effect where it ends up you know your private investments end up being a disproportionate amount of your portfolio so you don't make more private investments and then on the flip side, we also see that in general, when there's a downturn, you know, more underrepresented groups tend to be disproportionately impacted. And we're starting to see that when it comes to funding for female, uh, female founders, for black founders. And, you know, it's likely to carry through to to venture investors as well. And so the sad part is that the 2022 data in a couple of years is probably going to look worse than the 2020 data, which is already terrible.
Well, we hope that your data can help illuminate the importance of this issue, illuminate these surprising um, and shocking gender and racial equity gaps, and also help empower people to work to close them. Sarah Kunst, Clio Capital, thank you so much for joining us and talking about your very important research you've done in partnership with Harvard Business School. Thank you. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.